Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. One of the big challenges that you have in a, in a functioning democracy is getting people involved in it. In fact, one of the questions that I would put to you is, my listeners and viewers, is what have you done or how have you done it or what successes or failures, frankly, have you had in trying to get people involved in politics? interested in politics, participating in politics, whether it's voting or whether it's joining a party or whether it's running for political office. On the line with us right now is Sam Lawrence. He's a 19-year-old college student and a Democrat, and he's running for Ohio State Rep, Ohio State Representative in the 47th District of Ohio. This is the real grassroots stuff, right? At the, at the bottom of the Arguably, I mean, we could go all the way down to school boards and things, but but this is where so much is happening in the United States, and it's getting almost no attention. And it is so cool that we've got young people who are engaging themselves. Samforohio.com is his website. Sam for Ohio is his Twitter handle. Sam Lawrence, welcome to the program, Sam. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. It is a pleasure and an honor. Tell us what caused you to A, get into politics in the first place or get interested in politics in the first place and B, end up being a candidate for uh, or put a potential candidate. I guess you've got to have you finished the primary or do you still have a primary? There is a primary that is still happening. I'm unopposed, however, uh, okay. so I'm unopposed on the Democratic side. I got involved in politics at a pretty young age canvassing for local candidates, Toledo, Ohio's mayor, um, where I was born, and then worked all the way up to a volunteer position on Pete Buttigieg's presidential campaign two years ago. I've always been someone who's watched the news and knew what was going on. However, I decided to really take that next step this year. And it is a question I get a lot. Why are you running as someone who at the start of the race was 18? I turned 19 two weeks ago. Because we need to, frankly. No one else was running in this district in the 47th, and no one else was planning to. 
which means that come November, my opponent would have just been able to walk into office. We can't let this happen. It's unbelievable, not just in Ohio, but across the country, how many state legislative seats, county auditor, county commissioner seats, like you said, school board seats are being left open because nobody even has the drive to run for it. Oh, in a lot of cases, people don't even know that there is a seat that it would be fairly easy for them to either become a candidate for or in some cases actually win. I mean, you know, those those lower races, the school board races and things where there's they're literally begging people to run. Good on you, Sam. Some people don't know that there are seats they can run for. Some people don't even know there's a state house. And I say I'm running for state representative. And they say, what's that? This is the the failure of civics in America. Right. For the people who don't know, we make laws for the state as opposed to for the nation or at a local level. But it would surprise you how many people don't know that and don't even if they vote, they don't know that. Oh, yeah. No. In the in the 1980s, Bill Bennett, when he became the education secretary, essentially took an axe to federal support for civics education in schools. The rationale was we need uh, STEM stuff, you know, and uh, so we've got a whole we got what three generations or two generations since then of people who've grown up not understanding how our government works and, and, you know, can't even name three branches of government, all that sort of thing. What's the process like? What process did you go through to become a candidate for state representative in Ohio? First of all, it's so easy. It is so easy to get on the ballot and people need to realize that. And so look up if there is someone running for your state representative seat or your school board seat. I got in contact with my county party and got in contact with the leadership, that's Butler County in Southwest Ohio, and basically waited it out. And then at the end of the day, it turned out no one was running. So essentially, I went to the Board of Elections, filed myself as a candidate. They gave you a bunch of lists that you have to get signatures for within the district and got the signatures. They get verified and you're on the ballot. How many signatures did you have to get? It's weird because I got around 150. You need 50 in in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them will get canceled out because they're deemed as not legitimate. But luckily, mine were verified. That is so very, very cool. I'm guessing, I mean, you're going up against a Republican, Sarah Carruthers. I'm, I'm guessing that she's got, she's going to have some money behind her now. I, this is, these state races, these state representative and state Senate races are places where for decades now, the Koch machine, you know, the, the, the Koch brothers and, and some and multiple other right wing groups have actually poured a lot of money into these things. You're right that Sarah has a lot of money behind her. And I do want to get into that a little bit. If you didn't know, Tom, she signs her bills, Sarah P. Carruthers. That P stands for Proctor, as in Proctor and Gamble. She comes from immense wealth. And I've been told that she's willing to put $300,000 of her own money into this race if she needs to. Whoa. So what's your campaign strategy here, Sam? Our campaign strategy is that you can't buy elections, which Sarah is trying to do. Besides her own money, she a news article recently came out that detailed how she had tried to push $300 million worth of legislation through the state house in 2020 in COVID relief funds for nursing homes. Then two weeks later, she received $52,000 in campaign contributions from four special interests in the nursing home industry. It's insane how many of these Republicans are openly corrupt And then when you call them out on it, of course, it's the liberal media and the Democrats, the crazy socialists. And well, the Supreme Court legalized all this stuff, Sam. I mean, that's the challenge we're all facing here in America. Bribery is now legal. It's yes, it's fully legal, at least in politics. I mean, it's illegal if you if you go into a hotel and you say to the hotel clerk, hey, if I slip you a 50, can you 
upgrade me to the $1,000 night suite, right? You can go to jail for that. But if you slip a 50 to a politician and say, hey, you know, why don't you advocate for, uh, you know, uh, whatever, you know, it, there's, there's nothing. Actually, I mean, you've got to fill out some forms, I suppose, but that's about it. Yeah, um, right. And, you know, that's textbook pay to play. Here's the thing. I am very, very committed to running a positive campaign, and that's what I want to do. And I want to go out there and say, here's why I think I'm qualified for this position, and we'll get into that. And here's why I don't believe Sarah is, but also here's why Sarah hasn't been doing good things for the district. She recently voted yes on both House Bill 99, which passed the Ohio State House, and don't get lost when I say 99. That bill arms teachers. Excuse me. It lowers the training required to arm teachers in our schools. Well. Then she voted for the Save Women's Sports Act. I bet you can guess what that one oh, does. It's an anti-trans law. It's disgusting. And let me read you a few provisions from the bill. It could require an internal exam. If any authority brings an athlete's gender into question, then an the internal exam? The bill could require an exam of her internal and external reproductive anatomy, her normal and indigenously produced levels of testosterone, and an analysis of her genetic makeup. Wow. Wow. This and is, they, the Republicans they, have no respect for our bodies. They, I mean, these are the people who for years and years have said, you know, get your government hands off me. And now, oh, my God. Yeah, I get it. We're talking with, by the way, we're talking with Sam Lawrence. He's a 19-year-old student, a college student, and a Democrat running for the Ohio State Representative 47th District seat. Sam4Ohio.com is his website, and Sam4Ohio is his Twitter handle, which is how I found him. And I encourage you to, to, to follow him on Twitter. Sam, is there more you want to add about what qualifies you to be a state representative in Ohio? I do. And I think that's important, uh, not just saying like many Republicans do and like my opponent is doing, this person isn't qualified and leaving it there. I think the key is that young people have different experience, not no experience. We're fed up. We're fed up with the gun violence. It's insane. I come from the generation that's had to deal with these school shootings. I've had to watch as people my age and younger than me are gunned down in our schools. And then I have to watch as the Republican politicians, most of whom have never had to deal with this issue, are making laws on it and, frankly, blaming it on mental health. The United States has a mental health problem, but that's not what sets us apart from other countries. It's the guns. Right. And so to answer your question, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but to answer your question, I think what qualifies me is that I have different experience. Frankly, Sarah worked as a press assistant for a few years. Uh, and as I said, she comes from immense wealth. She's a philanthropist. Her family's given away money in Hamilton for years and years. And for that, I'm grateful. However, that doesn't qualify her to legislate. I've worked on four campaigns. I have had multiple internships, as well as the fact that I think bringing a new perspective into the state house is a good thing. I think that if you would say, let's put 99 18-year-olds, that's how many seats there are, let's put 99 18-year-olds in the Ohio state house, you might be a little wary. However, our youngest representative is in the district over from mine. His name is Thomas Hall. And I can tell you that he is not representing young people as he says he is. I would point out that Sherrod Brown, the senator from your state and a solid progressive and a, and a person I know personally, first achieved elective office at the age of 22, if I'm remembering correctly. You are correct. And Sherrod is my favorite senator. I love Sherrod. And I think that goes to show that if you are really motivated and really want to make this positive change, then you can go for anything.
Yeah, yeah, and and you have done it. Samforohio.com is the website. Sam Lawrence is the candidate. Sam for Ohio on Twitter as well. Sam, keep it up. <laughs> Good luck. I want to share this amazing story with you from Politico. Some great reporting by Heidi Prisbola. Video recordings of Republican Party operatives meeting with grassroots activists, she writes over at Politico, to target and potentially overturn votes in Democratic precincts. The Republican Party has figured out, and by the way, this is not something that they just figured out, but they've got a new twist on it. They figured out that, number one, you can intimidate voters at the site of voting. And number two, and, that, and that's the part that's been around forever. This goes back to the 1960s when a big lawyer by the name of, by big, I mean physically big, he was like over six foot tall, and by the name of William Rehnquist in Phoenix, Arizona, would go out to polling places near Native American communities or Hispanic communities and would loudly challenge the right of people to vote to the point that people would just like run away. You know, he was so threatening. And this is what made William Rehnquist's chops in the GOP in the 60s, first in Arizona, then nationally, and probably one of the reasons why he, he was made Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, as I recall by Ronald Reagan. I could be wrong on that, but around that time. So, A, that's kind of an old thing. But the new twist on it is bringing an app to this, and Heidi Prisbola lays this all out over a political, bringing this app in that allows the people who are being recruited by the, and trained by the Republican Party to challenge Democratic voters. The ground zero for this, in fact, the piece that is covered probably 90% of Heidi's article here in Politico is Wayne County, Michigan. That's Detroit. And Detroit is a largely black city, arguably, therefore, largely votes Democratic. And so, therefore, the Republicans are saying, okay, here's our training ground. Here's our testing ground. We will try this out. We're going to send a whole bunch of white election workers who have an app that gives them instant, real-time chat communication with lawyers and with district attorneys. So they will go into the polling place and they'll say to somebody, you don't look like you live here. Prove to me that you live here. Well, here's my driver's license. I'm not sure that's not phony. I'm going to call the district attorney right now or I'm going to call a lawyer. So they call them. The lawyer says, okay, well, if you have any doubts, then, you know, we're going to let me talk to the poll people and we're going to, and, and we're going to prevent this person from voting or we're going to flag their vote for special inspection. And if they can get enough of these, they might be able to get a local prosecutor or a local judge to say, you know, we're just going to take all the votes from that particular precinct because it seems like there's so many dicey votes here. We're going to put all those off to the side for the moment until we can figure this out. And in the meantime, the election goes on. Right. This is amazing. She talks about how the uh, Republican Party's election integrity director in Michigan is, quote, installing party-trained volunteers prepared to challenge voters at Democratic-majority polling places, has developed a website to connect those workers to local lawyers, and established a network of Republican Party-friendly district attorneys who could intervene to block vote counts at certain precincts. They had one of these workshops, and one of these guys said, you know, we're building an army. We're going to be doing this. Separately, she notes, Politico obtained Zoom tapings of Tim Griffin, a legal counsel to the Amistad Project, meeting with activists from multiple states and discussing plans for identifying friendly district attorneys who could stage 
real-time interventions, stopping the vote as it happens, essentially. She writes, Griffin speaks of building a nationwide network of district attorney allies and how to create a legal trap. Nick Peniman, Heidi Presbola writes, founder and CEO of Issue One, an election watchdog group, says, quote, it looks like now the Trump forces are going directly after the legal system itself, and that should concern everyone. The theory is that they can, quote, initiate a legal conflict at the polling place that disrupts voting and then use that voting disruption as a vehicle for rejecting the vote counts from that precinct. She also notes that neither the DNC nor the state, the Michigan State Democratic Party train poll workers. This has always been something that, you know, the political party said we should leave this to the election officials. But now the Republican Party is basically teaching poll workers how to scam the system. Uh, Presbyller writes over a political installing party loyalists on the board of canvassers, which is responsible for certifying the election, also appears to be part of the Republican strategy. In Wayne County, which includes Detroit, Republicans nominated their board a man who said he would not have certified the 2020 election. Brilliant, right? She notes, a politically motivated poll worker connected with a zealous local lawyer to disrupt voting, followed by a challenge to the board of canvassers that may even have nothing to do with the underlying dispute, but merely the level of disruption at the polling place. She says that these recordings that they've got over at Politico.com, she said these are among the first windows into what former Trump strategist Steve Bannon calls the precinct strategy. It's designed to create enough disputes to justify intervention by Republican-controlled state legislatures who declined to take such steps in 2020. This is not for this election. I mean, they're going to do a dry run this election, get everybody in place, learn how everything works. But you're not going to see these big challenges, frankly, in, in my opinion, in this election. This is all preparing for 2024. Because what they want to do is create enough chaos that the election gets thrown to the state legislatures the state legislatures, keep in mind, the governor doesn't even have a say in the Electoral College. Under the Electoral Count Act of 1886, I think it is, and the 12th Amendment to the Constitution, what happens is if the electoral vote in a state, this is the vote for president, if the electoral vote is in dispute, the state legislature decides what that electoral vote should be. And then the delegation, the state delegation, the House of Representatives votes that, you know, puts that forward, puts that forward as the electors for the states. This is what Donald Trump tried to do. This was the John Eastman strategy for 2020, but no state would go along with it. Now they're preparing for it. They're actively preparing to steal the 2024 election at the Electoral College for the White House. One of these uh, election integrity people says, uh, come election day, you create massive failure of certification. The real hope is that you can throw the choosing of electors into the state legislatures. The effort has been underway for months, and Republican officials are planning to use the August 2nd primary elections in Detroit as their dry run. This should freak out everybody. Alrighty, uh, picking up your phone calls here, Mark in Portland. Hey, Mark, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's up? I have an idea that would help possibly move some minds in the Midwest and the South, some of the red states. My idea is that some uh, liberal progressive uh, billionaires like Tom Steyer or Mark Cuban or whoever buy or rent out billboards along busy 
interstate passes that basically have messages about such as like uh, very short, concise memes. And one would be like the NRA's bottom line is six feet deep hmm. and have a visual of, of a grave with a casket going down. Yeah. And the other one, the other one would be that Republicans idea of, quote unquote, common ground is a cemetery. Wow. And just have uh, have flowers and, and graves. Passive memes like that on people waiting in traffic, seeing these billboards, that might ultimately influence people in the in the election. I mean, yeah. it's it's worth a shot. And I think if you've got a billion dollars and you're really about wanting a democratic society that works for and up by the for the people. I'm I with you. Say that would be- and billboards are inexpensive, you know, compared to most other forms of advertising, and they can be very, very effective. I, I, I think that's yeah. a great idea, Mark. I'm, I'm totally with you. I don't know what Mark Cuban or Tom Steyer have to say about it. The last time I tried to lobby Tom Steyer on this, it didn't go anywhere. But, but I get what you're saying. And in fact, that might even be the kind of thing that local communities, local Democratic parties could invest in, because again, the cost for billboards is relatively low. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. It's talk media for the sane among us. Yes, we are still here. This massive signature fraud scandal in Michigan, in the state of Michigan, 68,000 fraudulent signatures have been submitted on behalf of half a dozen or so Republican candidates, five out of the 10 Republican candidates who are running for governor against Gretchen Whitmer. 68,000 fraudulent signatures. Now, this is the Republican Party that is constantly ranting about how voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. And I think, frankly, they've decided, hey, there's so much voter fraud, we can do it, too. That's incredible. Tom in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind? 
Hey, Tom. Uh, I just wanted to mention about the voting and the uh, states, whereas uh, you got the, uh, what do you call, poll watchers. <laughs> when I told that story, when I shared that story out of Politico, I missed the biggest part of the story. Um, which was that, you know, because I was just talking about the poll watchers, but the biggest part of the story was that they're getting people to get jobs with local governments as the poll uh, workers. And I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's the real shocking part of it that, that, that I missed yesterday in the story. I mean, I, I, I referenced it, but I, I didn't realize that that was the focus of what they were doing. I thought the poll watchers was the focus. And I would... So, you know, whether I read Heidi Presbola's article badly or whether she buried the lead, I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, let me correct that right now. Back to you, Tom. Well, I, you know, I, I, I listen to you, Randy, and a lot of uh, what I hear is um, like singing to the choir, but I learn a lot. <clears throat> that said, I may talk to a person and say, where did you get that information? And they'll say, uh, well, I get it from all sides. And boom, I know exactly where they're getting most of it. <laughs> that, and I don't know many Democratic-minded people, Democratical-minded people that carry uh, guns with straps on, on their shoulders. I think there's 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 quite a few Democrats out there who own even semi-automatic weapons. But uh, you know, I, I I get your point. But Tom, can you can you make the point that you called well, to make? Yeah, my, my my point being is to the bottom line: what is going to happen should we not get this vote right? We will never get that experiment of democracy to ever take root. I think this is an absolutely pivotal time. I agree with you, Tom. Thank you. Patrick in East Lansing, Michigan. Hey, Patrick, what's on your mind today? You talk so many good issues about the barriers to the vote and how it's going to allow for the subversion of our democracy. So the Greg Palast interview today was fabulous. The poll watcher discussion yesterday about Michigan, where I live, is, is really important. The photo ID, the caging voters, the purging voters. I wanted to offer and ask about a cure for these democracy problems, which, as Jane Adams said, is always more democracy, and ask you about E.J. Dion and, and the Connecticut Secretary of State's 100 percent voting proposal and, and why we aren't talking about it more, making voting a duty um, and not just a right. I mean, it's, it would be so simple to adopt this. 22 actually, countries have it. Actually, it wouldn't, because the First Amendment has been interpreted by the Supreme Court to say not only do you have a right to free speech, but part of that right is the right to withhold free speech. And your vote is considered speech, and you have the right to withhold your vote in the United States. So uh, whether you're penalizing people like Australia does with a tax if you fail to vote, or whether you're incentivizing people like some other countries do in various ways to vote, or whether you're simply requiring it, you know, with a force of law, um, as some countries do. As uh, I, none of those would work in the United States. None of those would get past the Supreme Court. 
So, so actually, as an appellate lawyer who's practiced in election law in the U.S. Supreme Court, the Sixth Circuit, and the Michigan Supreme Court, and been on the election law professor's list for 24 years, I can tell you that Chapter 5 of the 100% Democracy book that E.J. Dion wrote with Miles Rappaport, Chapter 5, tells you why you're exactly wrong. So now I think you have to have the mind. First, if you understand their plan, it shows why the design doesn't involve requiring anyone to vote. It's requiring them to do what we already require people to do, which is participate in voting. That uh, is no different than the need to file a tax return, which you're penalized criminally if you don't do. That's no different than being required to go to school, selective service registration. And in the countries in this hemisphere, the vast majority that require voting in some way without a penalty and without making you vote for a candidate, we are the outlier. There are 22 countries in the I, world. I get it. Patrick, please, we're going to have to break. What's the title of the book? It's called 100% Democracy, and it is the solution. I really hope you host them on this topic. Thank you, Patrick. Well, it turns out the voting system in Georgia was compromised. And Brad Raffsenperger, the Secretary of State, who's very good at purging Democratic voters off the voting rolls, it's still you know, an ongoing practice in Georgia, now that the Supreme Court legalized it after it was challenged in Ohio a few years back. But what happened in Georgia was a bunch of MAGA insiders were traveling around the country, working with Republican politicians and Republican activists, and going to literally to these voting places finding people of like mind and saying, let us clone your hard drive. And they got their hands on the actual software used for voting in Georgia. The whole state is fairly standardized, uses one system. I, I, my, my recollection is correct. And, and so now the concern is that now that the maggots have got the, the software, they can figure out if there are vulnerabilities, if there's some way to hack it, if there's some way to tweak it or change votes and things and then use that to change the outcome of the next election. And it's not, it's not, by the way, just Arizona. You know, we've had similar things like this happen in several states. And, and it's costing a whole lot of money in several of those states, particularly Arizona. I mean, that's the most famous one. Um, but I believe Wisconsin as well. And uh, it, this is a group of five people traveled south from Atlanta to the government elections office in Douglas, Georgia. Uh, they were there for hours. Uh, basically cloning, cloning the hard drive. This was a secret mission from the local GOP county chair and a fake elector for Donald Trump, by the way, to examine an elections computer. Coffee County is another county where they tried to do this, and, or they did this, succeeded in doing this. And Coffee County now, I'm, uh, this is uh, uh, reading from this piece on dailycoast.com, Coffee County has deleted all emails of their election officials from that period and improperly gave Secretary Raffsenperger's office all of their 2020 electronic election records, wiping the county clean of the evidence of what happened. The concern now, as I said, is that they, had the, they have a copy of the software. And uh, so Trump apparently is right. The Georgia voting system was hacked. It's just that it was hacked after the election by his goon squad so that they could get ready for the next election. Breathtaking. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? 
Hey, not too much, Tom. First, I just want to make a quick point. Look, I've got nothing against Trump voters, and I've got absolutely nothing against Donald Trump himself. They suffer from um, enantiodromia. Enantiodromia. Or that, you can't really say What is antiodromia? In antiodromia, well, the, the best example, I mean, there's tons of examples, but the best example, if, you, if you're a Star Trek fan, there's an episode where this little kid is um, trapped, uh, and he's in a ship that's burning, and Data, the, the android, the little kid's family abandoned him because he's going to die. But, but Data pulls the uh, pulls him out of the fire and pulls the big heavy thing off of him. Well, that trauma causes the kid to believe he's an android. He starts acting out as an android. And basically, this is what's happening with Trump. So is this a real psychological illness, Dave, or is this something that you just made up from watching Star Trek? No, no, it's real. Um, actually, well, people think um, that they're androids. Well, I'll give you a better example since you're a history buff, You, because you, I, I know you know this. You know, um, settlers in America, uh, a lot of times the ships, resupply ships didn't come, and then they got assimilated in the Native American civilizations. And even back then, uh, when they were recovered from by Europeans, they weren't, as, as brutal as Europeans were, they weren't hard on those people. Because they understood it was it was you know they had to survive. Oh, it was a, it was a big problem back back in the sixteen throughout the sixteen hundreds and in the early seventeen hundreds. In fact, it was it was even a problem as late as the late seventeen hundreds was you know the the so called white Indians the the white people who would flee what we call civilization and go live with Indians, and then they didn't want to come back. I mean you know. But is that what you call yeah, it? No, 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 no. I, my point is I have nothing against Trump voters, so, but I want people to understand there's a five-alarm fire in the corridors of power in Beijing, right? And I'll tell you why. Beijing has been sending sorties to, uh, against Australian and Canadian observation I was, Yeah, yesterday I was talking with my friend Richard, who lives in Australia, and uh, he was telling me how they, not, not just sending sorties, they, that there was a, a, an Australian plane, a spy plane, and the, which was in, in its own waters, in illegal territory, and a Chinese jet came by and blew the, the, you know, the metallic, the aluminum chaff that they blow out to screw up radar, blew that in front of this Australian spy plane so that it got sucked into their engines. And, you know, they yeah. had to make an emergency landing. I mean, this is this is more than just sending a sortie. This is actually, you know, nearly engaging in combat. I mean, it's it's dangerous stuff. The Australians are quite freaked out about this. Well, they're doing direct confrontation on the behalf of North Korea. They've never done that before. North Korea is a mess. But this little country called Ukraine has, has really caused a panic. You cannot look at how calm Beijing's being. That's, that's fake. Uh, the, the sophistication of Vladimir Putin's fake. They absolutely need Donald Trump now. Because what happened is North Korea... All right, I was there in Korea during the Chonan thinking. What they did was completely backwards. I thought, what is North... It's Pyongyang committing suicide here? I mean, we're going we're gonna to destroy him, right? A very jingoistic, um, Park Jin-hee was elected to South Korea, right? Mm -hmm. she, her, her father was an American boxer dictator of South Korea. But anyways, she was very jingoistic. She was very bellicose, right? But she was also corrupt. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound a little right. bit like Donald Trump? Yeah. And what that does is that, what that does is it causes the core principle. South Korea is part of North Korea. Taiwan is part of China. Ukraine is part of Russia. That it, what it does is that bellicosity, it solidifies that, right? right. And, and it unifies the people. So, and so I think now, Trump was with them on all of those things. 
Yes, but Trump is not a Yuri. Okay, he's too dumb. He is an inadvertent, very, very valuable tool. No, they're waiting for Ron DeSantis. Well, and yet, well, and if, if, if I'm hurting Trump voters' feelings, they should give DeSantis because DeSantis is a wild card. Trump is a known element. I think they're going to do a high-risk operation to try to get Trump in there because it doesn't matter at this point. Yikes. Well, time will tell, Dave. Thanks a lot for the call. Deborah in Torrance, California. Hey, Deborah, you wanted to weigh in on whether people should be paid to sign to gather signatures? Very quickly, a couple of experiences that I had during the last major election and one that's going on all the time. During the last election, I go to the local junior college and there were a lot of signature gatherers out there. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about a lot of different things on the ballot initiatives. And one of them was for making dialysis companies have a licensed physician on the site at all times because people were dying from needles being old and, you know, or poison. Dialysis um, gone wrong. Yes. What you read at the first page was very, very different at the last page. Mm. That last page substituted doctors just for a practical nurse or something like that. Right. And a few weeks ago, there were two guys uh, standing in front of the building that I was going into, and they were asking for signatures, saying that it was something to do with making banking more um, responsible. Mm. And actually, it was if you go to the last page, which I did, I read the first page, the last page was talking about And when I pointed that out, they got very upset with me. The last page was what? You, you faded out there for a moment, Deborah. I wanted to bring in gambling casinos from out of state. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. they're walking and up to you saying, here. sign this thing to make banking more responsible. You sign it, and you just sign a petition to bring casinos in. You have to read at least at least the first and last pages. Don't take anybody's word for what it is they're asking you to phone me. Yeah, one of the, I, I don't recall what state we were living in at the time. It was either New Hampshire or Georgia, but there was a huge scandal where they had paid signature gatherers who were, actually it might have even been here in Oregon now, now that I think about it, back when I was doing a local show, where the top page was a petition to legalize marijuana and, mm-hmm. and the second page, which dropped about an inch below the top page on the clipboard. So you were, so the signature line was on the second page, and, and they were asking you to sign the second page. But you, d- you didn't see the second page. And, and the second page was, you know, some right-wing crank thing. Um, and, and they were just going around getting people to sign those things. I, I rem- in fact, Sean, we did a show on this when we were doing the local show here. We had, yeah, okay. Anyhow, back to you, Deborah. You might do that again because it, it's not going to go away if people are looking to get, you know, I'm not saying that they know what they're doing when right. they're getting these signatures because to them it's a job. Right. But to other people, you know, the idea is to bring back as many signatures as possible. And I can't help but think they get coached on what to say. Oh, of course. And they, it's and just they like the guys who go door to door selling magazine subscriptions. <laughs> exactly. And they don't bother to read any of it themselves because if you ask them, they can't really tell you what's on there. Right. And if you're on a college campus and a lot of people are, you know, on the way to their classes in between and, you know, they want to do something good, you know, that they feel is good and they're being lied to, but they don't know that. Oh, I just remembered that here in Oregon, the, the, the one where they, people thought they were signing to legalize marijuana, what they were doing was changing their voter registration to Republican. That was what they were doing. Remember that, Sean? That was, that was nuts. That was, anyhow, Deborah, thank you so much for the call. Um, it, it is problematic. On the other hand, you know, people should be able to make a living. Well, I don't know. 
You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Maybe the key is not banning it, but regulating it. I mean, you know, again, going back to the idea that regulated capitalism can be functional rather than dysfunctional. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Canyon in uh, Renton, Washington. Hey, Canyon, what's on your mind today? About the Michigan poll watchers and that experiment, I was just going to suggest to maybe your Michigan listeners in that Detroit area, why not just ignore the requests of random citizens asking for your identification? Well, why couldn't you just do that? You could. The problem is that if they say to the poll worker, I think or I, I have reason to believe that this person is fraudulent or is illegitimate, the law requires that that poll worker do something. And so, you know, it's A and B, you know, they've come right out and said basically their goal is to create so much chaos that the entire precinct might be shut down or people will be turned away or it'll slow things down and people will give up or that eventually that precinct might not, it might not even be counted. So, yeah, you may be able to tell, you know, a Republican poll watcher to screw off. I don't know that that's going to be the solution to the problem, though, Canyon. It, it, it's, this is this is much bigger than that. And like I said, this goes back to the 60s, Operation Eagle Eye with William Rehnquist. It sounds like it's more racially profiling than anything. Absolutely. And, you know, if the if people go into the polls, just ignore and make them exhaust, you know, the poll watcher exhaust all their resources and saying, excuse me, excuse me, they're only going to be able to focus on, you know, one or two at a time and it would more frustrate them. And No, I get you know, that. But if they can, if they can turn the line, they are, yeah. if they can turn the line from a half hour to vote to three hours to vote simply by creating this kind of disruption, you're going to have a lot of people who are going to drop out of that line because they got to get back to work. And that's what that's one of the things that they're planning on. But I get what you're saying, Canyon. Thanks a lot for the call. Andre in Chicago. Hey, Andre, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how you feel today? Good. Like to say that the, the end of Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams' statement was 
said, but we can change this. You're that right. Was also You're out. right. That, that part was also left out. Yep. But if, if I was Stacy, I would have told him, I would have told Purdue, I'll go back to where I came from if you come back to where you left from, which was a party without Donald Trump. That's where that's what he left from. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have Trump. And then uh, about this, uh, I want to know, Tom, how you feel about these Republicans uh, beating up on uh, Joe Biden about this baby formula stuff. But when he does get involved in saying then they say he's a socialist. He's socialism. How do you, how do you separate the two? They always on him about do this, do that for people, do this, and it shouldn't happen. But yet, he gets involved and does something. Can't even call it socialism. Yeah, the Republicans, Andre, have become so detached from reality, from facts. It's time to just start ignoring when they start screaming socialist, communist, and all this all this kind of BS. Because that's that's what it is. It's BS. There there there's there's no honest intent there. There's no real genuine attempt to to, to advocate a policy position or or uh, you know take a, a perspective that that uh, you know maybe we've got a better way of doing things or we've got a better idea. They don't even bother with that anymore. They just call names and 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 do you know basically racist dog whistles. I mean this is this has become the foundation of the modern Republican Party, which is why I'm saying it is the reinvention of the old Confederacy. So I'm I'm not I'm not taking it seriously, Andre. I'm just not. Kino in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kino, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Hey. Praise be for the mother force and good women in politics. We got to promote good women in politics. I'm with you. Uh, I've got good news, Tom. Okay. It appears there's strong indication the White House has been monitoring your program for good ideas because three months ago I made a suggestion that they send uh, Kamala to Germany, and uh, sh- sh- they did about three weeks later. And so uh, I wrote her a letter about two weeks ago asking her if she'd be on. The media didn't give her any coverage when she met with the Green Party foreign minister of Germany. And so I wrote her a letter. Now, if the post office in Washington, D.C. is not uh, manipulated by a Republican goon squad, I think there some letters don't get through, but that's another story. But I made that suggestion on your program, and it happened three weeks later, and I, I asked Kamala Harris to try to be on your program and talk about when she met uh, Woman Power, the Green Party, so that she can talk about her meeting with Annalena and she can state goals for the Democratic Green Party coalition in the 2022 election. Now, what do you think, Tom? Was it okay to ask her to be on your, try to be on your program and talk about that? Oh, of course. Of course, Aquino. I, I doubt it'll happen. Um, but you know, you never know. Um, you, know you never know. And 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 I'm, my guess is it was more great minds think alike, your mind and 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 Kamala Harris, than well, now, that Tom, somebody Tom, was listening Tom. to our show. But Tom, let yeah. me say, people listen to your program for all the good. You're open-minded, and people call in with good ideas. You have good ideas, so you're a source of good ideas. Be aware of it. Now, also the dark forces are watching you, so be aware of that. I know. I know. Kino, thank you. Thank you for the call, and and thank you for your kind words. QAnon believers are flocking to Dallas, Texas, after once again being promised they'll be treated to an appearance by the late President John F. Kennedy, who would be 105 years old today if he hadn't been assassinated in 1963. Vice News reports that QAnon influencer Michael Negative 48 Protzman has told his followers that JFK is headed to Dallas, despite the fact that his uh, similar prediction of uh, JFK's return last November never came true. 
It's amazing. There's no official count of how many people are coming, but apparently there's a large number of them. They're all heading back. John in Westchester, New York. John, you are on the air. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm talking about the narrative, the uh, the Republican narrative. I mean, I listen to right-leaning radio all morning, mm-hmm. and I tune you in on noon. I suggest everybody try to do that, to, just to get perspective, because they're really struggling there. I mean, I'm, I am no uh, fan of Geraldo Rivera, mm-hmm. but they censored him this morning on the radio because he wasn't saying what they wanted him to say. Censored they him? What do you right mean? Off. He was talking about how... He believes that Trump lost the election and that he had to start breaking ties with him because of uh, the direction he was going. And they cut him off. They put him right on commercials and then they brought him back a little later. But, you know, I think uh, they're they're, they're eating themselves. Who is the they who did that? You think it was the local station or was it the network that he was on? Do I want to say the guy's name and give him some uh, credit? Feel free. I don't want to, but... Brian Kilmeade. I listened to him in the morning. Oh, so Geraldo like was that. on Brian's show? Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I like uh, to get the extremes. Yeah, but yeah, no, I get big, it. I, I listen to right wing talk radio sometimes too, and I watched okay. Fox News for commentary on the uh, hearing, you know, just to see what they were saying, and it was pretty shocking. But that's interesting. Yeah, Brian, Brian Kilmeade doesn't. Yeah, I've been on his show, you know, on Fox and Friends, and have met him. He, he's uh, he's not going to tolerate somebody not being on message. Yeah. You're not going along with the program. Yeah. I mean, uh, also, their big narrative now is that there's nobody disputing it, that it's all one-sided, that nobody's able to defend themselves. This is the narrative they're running with, because they have nothing oh. else. Yeah, yeah. This is such a big deal for them. No wonder they close ranks yeah. when after this happened, because this is such a big deal for them, that if the message can get through... The Republican Party would have had a chance to survive as a uh, Reagan-Romney party, you know, just a big business party that welcomes in the racists and the, and the homophobes, but basically, you know, a, a pseudo-normal political party. If they had held the position that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy took the night of January 6th, that this is wrong, this will not sand, we're going to look into this, if they had run Donald Trump out of town on a rail, and if they had impeached him afterwards. I mean, afterwards there was an impeachment hearing, and they had a huge opportunity to do it. But instead they decided to close ranks behind Trump because they thought it would help them in, in elections. That was the most craven, pathetic, disgusting rollover for the billionaire grifter thing that I've ever seen in my, in my entire life of watching politics. And I think it's coming home to roost, John. I really do. John, thank you for the call. Mike in Chicago. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? The issue with Brett Kavanaugh and uh, disposed of, like, the murderer and stuff like that. I'm curious as to why the Republicans did nothing when there was someone who actually shot a judge's son who had Sotomayor's name on a list of other people. Well, they didn't do anything because she's a progressive. I mean, you know, if if it had been Brett Kavanaugh's name on that list, they they would have gone, you know, it, it would have been hysteria in D.C. Yeah, I, it's just the, the hypocrisy of them, you know. I'm just curious. I mean, because the, the article I read said that he had a dossier. So I'm curious as what kind of information they had and where he got it from. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But, uh, Mike, good one. Thank you very much for that. Massive signature fraud scandal in Michigan. This is amazing. The 68,000 forged signatures were submitted on behalf of Republican candidates for the governor of Michigan. 68,000. The State Bureau of Elections, they're, they're, they're recommending that five out of the 10 Republican candidates on the ballot in the primary, in the Michigan primary, uh, be removed from the ballot. 
be and be, and this is what happens when you've got a political party that thinks that you just buy everything. You know, they couldn't get volunteers to go across the state of Michigan to get, to get signatures like the Democrats did. So they went out and they hired some people and said, give me some signatures. And the people just forged them. And they all thought they'd get away with it because, hey, everybody's doing voter fraud. Don't you know? Haven't you heard from Donald Trump? And it turns out everybody isn't doing voter fraud. It's incredible. Okay, picking up your calls here, Charles in Miami. Hey, Charles, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Um, I love your show every day. Thank you. And um, it's amazing how it seems like we're on the same topic today. I, I was thinking earlier, though, about the way that the Republicans actually set it up over these last 40 years where they were able to get these um, judges on the bench. Mm-hmm. I told you before, I just don't think, I don't think it's patriotic. I don't think it's democratic at all that we have a lopsided Supreme Court at this time. Yeah. So I think Biden should put more judges on the bench. But my thing is this. If we want to win the next election coming up, and if we want to defuse um, or have a checkmate to this court, we, I said this before um, Biden became president, we have to create jobs. Now, of course, they did stop us with Build Back Better. But I think what we need to do, and this will also stop with the domestic violence, because when people have work, when people can build on their finances and take care of their bills, take care of home, it's a whole different atmosphere. Well, we got an unemployment rate, Charles, right now of 3.5%. I mean, that's, that's in the neighborhood yeah. of zero unemployment. I understand that, but what I'm trying to say is if we can build, I mean, and, and, and I'm looking towards the future as far as if we do have a recession, then who would be the next? And, and at that point, if you do have a recession in mind, we know corporate, corporations and most businesses are going to draw back on the hiring. So who is the last guarantor of jobs? And I think that's the government. We've had that example with the New Deal. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is this. We need to take what the Republicans are willing to give to us right now uh, and just roll with it. And then um, you put you. What are the Republicans willing to give to us right now? You you mean whatever Joe Manchin will sign off on, basically? Exactly. Basically, yes. We'll back better. Um, Whatever we can cherry pick out of that. We have to have legislative uh, wins. We have to put people back to work. We have to make people feel better about the direction we're going in. And, And most importantly... We need to campaign, and if I was Joe Biden at that point, I would stop everywhere when these Republicans that voted on, on, this, on these new bills and say, you have something, but it's not enough. Right. I mean, that, that would be my slogan. We did it with the Republicans, but you know as well as I do, it's not enough. Yeah. We need to hire these progressives. We need to put them in place, and we can give you more. And it's just that simple. Yeah, no, I think I think I think your point is very well taken, Charles. I, I, spot on, Manuel, Manuel Manuel in uh, Merced, California. What's on your mind today? Well, you're getting back to that uh, topic about China. Uh, I mean, excuse me, about uh, the South and the, the Confederacy nation. Yeah, uh, wouldn't it seem that if they were to do that, that uh, China primarily would maybe financially support them? They could rely on some kind of uh, somebody to prop them up for a while. I know that uh, during the Civil War, the United States imposed a blockade. Well, the MAGA but, movement uh, has even, made kind of a deal with the Russians. I mean, you know, they're, they're pro-Putin now. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, the concern about them being able to sustain themselves, they would probably have to rely on 
uh, outside forces like that uh, for an undetermined amount of time. Um, and that would impose uh, probably chaos for uh, the United States because it would be an enemy right in our midst. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we've had now for six years. I, I really think that Donald Trump was an agent of Vladimir Putin and the Russian oligarchs. I think they owned him uh, as a result of his last bankruptcies in the 90s. But, uh, you know, time will tell. Manuel, thank you very much for the call. Tom Hartman program, the place where despair is not an option. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dave in Jackson, Wyoming. Hey, Dave, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind today? Taiwan's bristling with anti-ship missiles. China couldn't even get close to it. I mean, we got satellites. If they even tried to organize an invasion, it would be known. I mean, people need to just chill out about an invasion of Taiwan, it's not going to happen. It can't happen. Well, this is why I think that the invasion, as it were, of Taiwan is going to be political first. They're going to do everything they can, and I know they have been. You know, they did in the last presidential election. Um, everything they can to destroy the, the political infrastructure of Taiwan, you know, soften the country up, just like the Russians did with us in 2016. What do you think about that? That's the only way, but not an invasion. It'd have to be a, a destruction of their political structure right. because they're not going to be able to do it militarily. They know that. I mean, uh, people need to understand World War II is in, you know, in the past. Ships are floating coffins. Planes are flying coffins. Tanks are rolling coffins because missiles have changed the game. But people need to understand that that game has been changed because we keep thinking in World War II terms. There's no possible way they could invade uh, Taiwan militarily. Yeah. Do you have any expertise in this, Dave, or is this your opinion? This is just my opinion. I mean, it's common sense. Look at Ukraine right now. What good are tanks right now? Well, as, as more and more American weaponry and European weaponry is showing up in Ukraine, the tide of the war, I think, is going to turn. But Ukraine was a land invasion, which is very different from what would happen in Taiwan. I'm inclined to agree with you, Dave, uh, I, although I, I'm no expert. On, I've been to Taiwan a few times. I used to do business in Taiwan, um, but I don't know the military aspects of it as, as well as, frankly, I should. Dave, thanks for the call. We'll see. Yeah, time will tell. James in Seattle. Hey, James, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. This is uh, about replacement theory. Okay, go for it. It's based on two known lies. The first one is that white privilege doesn't exist. The second one is a, is a contrary lie, but it's a recruitment poster. It's that if the whites give up their white privilege, that the mi minorities will turn the tables on them. Of course, it's a lie because we want to get rid of all of that stuff. We don't right. want to continue it. Right. But all this stuff is really about everything, in fact, that the Republicans are doing is about sovereignty, your relationship between yourself and God, and agency over your own body. And what I don't get is that the Texas law is not the old slavery law. 
it's state-sponsored female slaveholdership. You're talking about the Texas Texas anti-HB8 or whatever it was called? Yeah, the abortion law that they've got there. So, you know, it it means the same thing, because if you don't have agency over your own body, that is the definition of slavery. Or it's one of them, yeah. Yeah, but that's still against the 13th, 14th, or 15th Amendment, because you can't lose your... You can't be put into slavery in, in the United States legally unless you uh, have broken a law and right. you're in the you're in the court and you got the court takes away your 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 the freedom. freedom. Yeah, yeah. It's so a, they're in rebellion. Yeah, it's an interesting point, James. Um, I, I I don't. And, and I, I agree with your analysis on a practical level. I agree with your analysis on an ethical level and, and, and arguably on a political level. Um, the problem is that because pregnancies do, I mean, you know, you just have to acknowledge it, do involve a brand new human life coming into being, or at least the potential for it, to compare that to anything else, including slavery, um, is not... It just doesn't work, uh, you know, uh, frankly. I, I, you know, I, I understand the argument. I think what we just need to say straight up is that it, it, is not the, it should not be the business of the state to police women's bodies uh, uh, at least until the point of viability for a fetus. At that point, you can argue, okay, it, it is a human. It's no longer a potential human. It is a human, um, but, uh, you know, or a person. But prior to that, uh, it, it's not. And, and, and that distinction is where, the, is where your analogy falls apart. Um, but I understand what you're saying. I absolutely understand what you're saying. And I appreciate your calling and saying it. Jeff in Portland. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Big oil windfall profits tax. You know, that's supported mm. by 80% of voters, a lot of Republicans, too. Yeah. And it would bring in an estimated $45 billion of annual revenue, which would be sent out to households in quarterly rebate checks. So, you know, sure. what's not to like about that? So yeah. uh, let's get that through. But, Tom, I wanted to ask you about your Hartman report yesterday on the insurrection and its aftermath. Uh, you, you ended it by saying Congress must act. And, but and I would add, what about the DOJ too? Um, because shouldn't we fear that without the DOJ, um, this you know, hopefully these hearings are going to really put a jolt in the American public. But shouldn't we fear that without uh, the DOJ holding Trump and his acolytes accountable, that this big lie is only going to grow bigger? Absolutely. And, you know, Absolutely, yeah. Jeff. I completely agree with that. But what I was when I said Congress must act, what I had in mind was this collection of laws, Title 10, Sections 251 to 255. Those five sets of law give the president just mind-boggling power. And they were passed between 1792 and 1871, if I'm remembering correctly, or is in the 1870s anyway. And none of them have been updated. None of them, you know, we need to, we need to dial back the powers, the, the so-called emergency powers that we've given the president. That's, that's my concern. Okay. Okay, okay. Because I'm imagining Ron DeSantis in the White House yeah. in three years. Right. Oh, right, right. Okay. That's a good explanation. But, you know, yeah, getting back to the DOJ, uh, you know, I really 
think that they've been a day late and a dollar short in a lot of things. You know, yep. with this COVID uh, overturning the mask mandate, uh, this yeah. judge, um, you know, I'm, they could have put you. a stay on that. Yeah. And, Jeff, uh, I got to run. I'm sorry. But thank you for the call. A special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Nigel Peacock. Gerilyn Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Jay Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabbermocky, Jay LeBlanc, El Gorilla Rhythm, and Connor Arroyo and Carne Marty, all the folks who help make this show work and also uh, hang out in our, in our chat room over on uh, YouTube to keep everything going. Thanks so much, and thank you for being with us. Get out there, get active, tag your it. Be good to yourself and the people around You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.